Elbua Cafe is a small not-for-profit coffee shop located in Hidalgo Nuevo Leon, Mexico. It sits in view of the majestic El Potrero Chico, a world-renowned rock climbing destination. Since 2010, thousands of people have come through our doors to partake of our amazing coffee, great food, and to share in our community. Everyone has a story, and I get to share them here. I'm your host, Jan, and I present to you Tales from El Buo. Hello, everybody. Today, I have with me uh, Jenna Belinsky. She is a woman I've met, I don't know, a couple years ago here in the Buo, and I see her come through just about every year for a while, and this season, you're here for how many months? I've been here two months at this point. Great. Well, I'm excited to share Jenna's story with you because it really is rare to see a woman uh, traveling by herself living in her car. It, it, it is rare, especially here in Mexico, to see that. a lot. I know there are a lot of solo woman travelers in the U.S., but not so many that would come to another country. So first of all, Jenna, tell us about yourself. Where are you from, your age, what you do? I'm going to leave out the age, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling pretty old these days. But uh, I'm from Massachusetts. I was raised there. And I went to college there, and I discovered climbing in college. Immediately got out of Massachusetts. <laughs> okay. What, what did you go to school for? Psychology. Ah, okay. And is that what you do for a living? No. I worked in psychology for about a year. Um, I worked with adolescent girls with behavioral problems. And as you know, teenage girls without problems are quite a handful yeah <laughs> so the ones with problems were a little bit too much for me I got attacked and my hair pulled and all that stuff oh my gosh yeah so I quit that job pretty fast and went and hiked the Appalachian Trail oh wow <laughs> okay so where what kind of job was it like were you in a, a group home or yeah it was a group home um in Fall River Massachusetts it was just direct care worker mm-hmm. and you stayed there for a year then you went and did the Appalachian Trail the whole thing no, I did 900 miles. I will finish at a later date, maybe. I was getting pretty bored. I was thinking about rock climbing all day while I was hiking, and then it started to rain, and it didn't stop for a month. So I made it 900 miles. I did Georgia to Virginia and Maine and New Hampshire, and that's when it just rained for a month, and I got trench foot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's, like, really nasty, It's isn't disgusting. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's like your skin's just falling off. Oh, my gosh. It was so gross. How long did you have to recover from that? Because that it took about a month. It's painful, too, right? Yeah, it was painful. I couldn't do a lot of walking. Like, it was the worst. It was so gnarly. <laughs> well, that'll put a damper on the hiking. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't want to be hiking anyway. And that's really, I'm actually grateful because that made me quit. And I was like, okay, now I can hop in my car and go west. <laughs> So that's what you did? Yeah, pretty much. Once uh, once my feet were healed, I just got in my Pontiac Grand Prix, and that was my first road trip. That was the first time that I lived alone in my car. That was in 2009. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's 12 years. <laughs> I know, but I haven't been on the road the whole time. Um, so I did a two-year stint back in 2009, and that's what gave me my roots for dirtbag life. It was, you know, what got me started. I realized I could live super cheap and just do whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. Have you ever figured out more or less what your monthly budget is? Um, you know, it's varied so much over the years because, and it depends on what place I'm in. Mm -hmm. Like here, my monthly budget is probably like around 400-ish, maybe a little more. I don't know because I've moved 
Depends where I'm staying at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much I'm paying for camping really is the only fluctuating thing. Because I don't drive while I'm in Mexico. I just park my... I have a truck camper and on an F-250. So it's quite a gas guzzler. And I just yeah. would rather not drive it. So I just park it and leave it for the whole time I'm in Potrero. I just walk everywhere or, or take my bike. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like $4 a gallon <laughs> for yeah. gas here. People don't think that about Mexico because it's cheap to live here. But mm-hmm. gas is... Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, for real. And but there food's are, cheap. <laughs> yeah, food is so cheap, so that makes up for it. And everything else is cheap. So about $400 a month here. When you're in the States, depends yeah. on where you're staying as well. It depends if I'm moving around. I mostly stay around Ten Sleep, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my summer spot. And there I take my tr- camper off so I can drive just my truck around. So it's a little cheaper. But yeah, I'm, I think maybe I would have a $500 a month budget there, maybe 600 but I, I get camping for free there also, but I'm also doing more driving. What would you do for people that, you know, listen to this that maybe aren't? Uh, dirt bag rock climbers? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I know there are some that do. What would you define as a dirt bag? A dirt bag rock climber to me is someone that has kind of sacrificed all sense of normalcy in their life just so they can rock climb as much as humanly possible. Okay. Yeah. We work the minimum amount required to pay for our trips, and we just climb every day. And it's always climbing first. It's never career first. It's always, I care more about climbing than I do about anything else. Wow. (laughs) That is really great. So you you discovered rock climbing in college in Massachusetts. Where? I was taken by my roommate to an indoor gym where I met a really hot guy who soon became my boyfriend and brought me climbing outdoors. And that's when I really started to like it. Like the indoor gym didn't really do it for me. I mean, it was actually the first physical activity that I thoroughly enjoyed besides dance. I danced when I was a kid mm-hmm. and for a long time. But he took me outside to boulder and that's, I became a boulder. Like I, for the first couple of years of climbing, I was just bouldering all the time which is really hard on your body. And that ended up with me being kind of injured all the time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's what made me hike the Appalachian Trail is because I couldn't actually rock climb because my elbows were full of tendonitis and I just kept having repetitive use injuries and my tendons just hadn't caught up with my muscles. Mm-hmm. And I just needed to take time off. So that's why I hiked the AT, which was the first thing I had ever done as far as backpacking went. I like never had backpacked before in my life. <laughs> did you do the AT by yourself? No, I did it with my ex-boyfriend for part of it, um, and then just with friends that I had met on the, the trail. Okay. And then after that, you decide to go out west. Yes. How did you make that plan? It's not so much as a plan as I was done with the... AT and I got back to Massachusetts and I was it took me a month to heal and by then it was starting to get cold and I just wasn't having it so I just decided to go somewhere where I thought was going to be warm but it was Joshua Tree California and it was actually quite cold oh gosh (laughs) yeah so I lived in a big tent there with an air mattress and who knew that those didn't insulate you well I got very sick (laughs) I got so sick adventures in camping (laughs) yeah I lived in a place called the pit Mm-hmm. Um, in Joshua Tree, it was uh, in kind of a, a suburban neighborhood, but it was down low. 
so no one in the surrounding neighborhood could see us camping there. It was this guy's property, and he was in Japan. I think his name was Wally, I want to say. But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wally. <laughs> Thanks, Wally. <laughs> yeah, so there were a few of us dirtbags camping there, and I, of course, was the only woman. <laughs> and yeah. they called me the pit girl. That's a lovely name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot worse they could have said. So the pit girl. Yeah, no, it was okay. It was fine. <laughs> so how did you find that, you know, experience? Uh, you were, this was in what, 2010? That was 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. around then. How did you, you know, feel about that being the only woman in, did you ever get tired of it? Were you? I, of- whenever another woman would like show up anywhere, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I just wanted to climb with other women. You get really sick of hanging out with a bunch of dudes, especially if they're all kind of trying to date you. It's very, it can be awkward and it's just, it's a little bit much sometimes. Right, right. And also, I think that women and men climbers have a different mentality about climbing. Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel like I push myself harder with women for some reason. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I mean want to impress guys too I guess right but maybe I care less about them than I do about other women <laughs> yeah I don't know I, I've just seen you know we started Potrero Chicas here just to push each other without the influence of testosterone around us I, I don't know it was just different it's not better it's just different I, yeah yeah I it's don't not better like I, I truly appreciate my male climbing partners too like, yeah for sure, but it's there's something special about climbing with women. How did you fund that first two years in the pit? Okay, so <laughs> that is the year I discovered dumpster diving. Oh, please, please, please explain dumpster diving. I have heard some great dumpster diving stories. Um, so plenty of grocery stores. Those are the ones I frequent the most. Other, like bakeries and pizza shops will throw out food, pre-prepared food at the end of the night as well, but grocery stores will throw out so much stuff it's usually pre-packaged or it's it it is mostly pre-prepared food you can fill up a shopping cart with what they throw away just for you each night wow so we could live off a dumpster everyone in the pit we would just go to the dumpster and like we weren't spending any money on food You've never told your mom this, have you? Oh, I think I have, and she's probably going to listen to this. So. Will she be horrified if we got her stuff I kind of don't think there's a point anymore for her. <laughs> <laughs> we're, but like you said, we're 12 years into this. Yeah, <laughs> she's true. used to it. She's been worrying for 12 years. Yeah. I think there's a point where you just stop worrying, I hope. Mom, I hope. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a mom. I worry still. Yeah. You kind of can't help it. But I do think I've heard great dumpster diving stories. I've heard that Trader Joe's is a oh, place yeah. to go. Oh, yeah. Trader Joe's is excellent. <laughs> yeah. And so did you guys take turns? going? Who's going to the dumpster tonight? We would always go as a group. It's just easier because <laughs> you want someone who gets in the dumpster. You want someone outside of it with a bag and someone maybe driving the getaway car. <laughs> getaway car. <laughs> did you ever get caught? Um, yeah, I have. And I've had some interesting encounters at the dumpster. Like, there's this really great dumpster um, at a Albertsons in Las Vegas. It's right near Red Rocks, the park. Uh-huh. Yeah, one guy showed up to that dumpster. I was there alone that time. <laughs> and he's just like, do you need money? <laughs> and I was just like, I just, you know, I wish I thought of all these things to say afterwards. <laughs> but I think I just like started like, I have a job. 
Because <laughs> I do. I work like now. The past uh, three years, I've had a job. Right. Um, I work remotely doing sales and stuff like that, or admin stuff, virtual assistant stuff, all kinds of things. How did you find that job? It fell into my lap because of my climbing uh, relationships. So, Great. yeah, my friend John, uh, his dad was looking for someone who wanted to work part-time remote. And climbers, as you know, are very motivated to work remotely. So he was seeking out us. <laughs> How did you, were you able to work that into a schedule? Because, you know, that's part of it in yeah. the lifestyle that you live is you kind of live. I want to rock climb when mm-hmm. the weather's nice. That job was super flexible. I could work at midnight if I wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's only like 10 hours a week max, which is actually enough to uh, sustain my lifestyle. So. That is so funny. <laughs> I mean, it really is funny, you know? It like, is. You think about it, what you went to school for and your plan when you were 20, you know, was, it wasn't to work 10 hours a week. <laughs> no, I thought I was going to be a normal person pursuing normal goals. I thought I was going to be a psychologist thought I was going to get a house and get married and have children. <laughs> yeah. But you're yeah. happy. I'm mostly happy. That's kind of questionable. I mean, I love my lifestyle and I would have trouble leaving it or living any other way. But with it comes some serious problems like loneliness. I'm alone all the time. I have a dog who I talk to a lot, but I haven't had a relationship in many years, mm-hmm. and that's what's really missing. Like, I would like a boyfriend. I want a partner to travel with. Like, I'm perfectly comfortable traveling alone, but it would be great to have a partner. Sure. And also, I could go to all these climbing areas that you you kind of have to bring your own partner to. Right. It would really open up my climbing. <laughs> what would you like to see in your life in 10 years from now? Hopefully a boyfriend. <laughs> kids no? Uh, no, no kids for me. I don't think I can rationalize that. I don't know. <laughs> I think I wouldn't be able to live my life the way I want to with a right. child. Maybe way down the line I'll adopt one, mm-hmm. you know, an older kid, hopefully help them out, change their life. But for now, definitely no kids. A teenage girl with problems. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I would do. You've got experience with that. So. <laughs> yeah. I think I would be helpful to one. What were you like in high school? I was kind of um, a social outcast for sure. I was more on the punk rock side of things, but I had moved into a, um, a town called Wilmington, and that was in middle school. And just when you're the new kid, it just kind of it never it never clicked for me like... Mm-hmm. I had a few friends, but they weren't actually that nice to me. <laughs> so those those are tough years for everyone. Right. And it, But for me, I, yeah, it wasn't a great time in my life. I read a lot. I kept to myself. I, I didn't do anything physical, which is probably why I wasn't very happy, because that is definitely a key to <laughs> sure. happiness for me is to stay phys- like physically active. What do you think those people that knew you back then would think about you now. Oh, they still, they think I'm pretty cool. (laughs) I've talked to them recently. (laughs) You are living the life that a lot of people dream of, honestly. Yeah, people usually tell me um, they wish they could do that. Or I'm like, but you could do that. You just have to sacrifice a lot. They assume it's, you know, that I'm privileged. I mean, in ways I am because like, I'm, you know, a white female, like I haven't had to worry about a lot of things that other people have. Um, I came from a good family, and my mom tried really hard to raise me, 
and she taught me well how to deal with my money and I've always just known how to manage my money very well and I just am very frugal. My mom was so frugal growing up and that mm-hmm. that is something she taught me and I'm so grateful for it because I can really make my dollar go very far. That is great. And you're debt free. Yeah, I am debt free after. So as I I did two years that stint and then I went and got a real job. Okay. Yeah, because I had to because I had student loans. <laughs> student loans. Yeah. Yes, it seems to be the bane of everybody's existence. Yes. Like, how can I live dirtbag life if I have student loans? Yeah. <laughs> I went to a state school and I had a lot of scholarships. Um, so my schooling wasn't very expensive. So I was able to pay off my student loans with three years working for a company. Great. In New Hampshire. Was that so hard, though? Every day was misery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going into an office. I felt caged. And sure. and the longer you're out of dirtbag life, the more you forget how easy it is. So you go back into being a normal person and getting back out is very difficult. It's like taking the leap all over again. So mm-hmm. I felt like I had gotten trapped, but I still had it in the back of my mind. Like when I bought a car, like I can sleep in that. Like I'm never gonna own a vehicle that I can't sleep in. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so right. I still got myself a Honda Element, but I still was living indoors. And it actually took a major life event for me to get myself back out of that situation. Um, I got very sick with Lyme disease in 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was couldn't do anything. I couldn't even go to work. I was bedridden for a lot. I had pain all over my body, and I couldn't get diagnosed. So I was seeing multiple doctors, and no one was really helping me. And I... Eventually, when I stopped going to work, like um, I couldn't get any kind of assistance because there was no diagnosis, so oh short-term gosh. disability wouldn't kick in or anything. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I had been saving my money, and I had enough money I was originally going to use to buy a house, but <laughs> I was able to pay for everything regarding Lyme disease, and my student loans were already being paid off. So, yeah, I initially kind of decided to go back into my car when I fortunately uh, got laid off from my job. It was like super lucky because I couldn't work and I wasn't getting short-term disability and they just decided to do away with my department. Um, And they gave me a a stipend and it was uh, a severance check. It was, uh, I think, enough money to to live at least a year or two on the road. Wow. Yeah, it was so lucky. I, oh goodness, that was great. So you didn't look at that as a, you looked at it as an opportunity, not as a setback. Yeah, the Lyme disease was definitely a setback. Sure. But the getting laid off was like a relief because I didn't ha- know what I was going to do. I couldn't work and I didn't know when I would be better. Yeah. I, I thought I was just going to be, I honestly had given up. Like I thought I was going to be just dying. It like felt like dying, you know? Right. Like I didn't think that I would recover. Wow. And fortunately, I found a doctor who could help me, and she put me on several types of antibiotics um, and antiparasitic and um, other therapy, and like I was better within a year. It took a year, but I was finally better. And you were living in your car that whole year? Um, Well, I started treatment while I was still living indoors. I moved into my car in May of that year, and I think the following May, when I first realized I was feeling good, was when I was in Bishop, California. And I thought it was maybe something to do with the altitude, or like, I just was like, I took a self-assessment. I was like, holy crap, nothing hurts. That's so great. <laughs> wow. And you have no lingering effects of Lyme disease? I do have lingering effects. Generally, if I get stressed out, or if I 
you know, eat certain things. Or if I ever go on antibiotics, I have pretty severe, like, relapse. Okay. But I, it's all manageable. Um, I have a lot of anxiety and depression. And I know that's maybe not even my Lyme disease, but I, I think it is partially caused by it. Sure. Or at least worsens it. Mm-hmm. Or even just a sickness. A yeah. so extre- an extreme sickness can cause that in some people's lives. It's like PTSD, you know? Yeah. Well, oh. it's my immune system. It's just sure. triggered wrong. So it's just wow. always setting off. You know? I didn't know that about you. No. <laughs> that's really interesting and proves you're a strong woman because here you are i'm here <laughs> still here let's talk a little bit about what i asked you to think be thinking about with this interview you know what's it been like traveling as a woman alone and the reason i ask this is because a lot of people would say you know do you feel sa-, or ask do you feel safe um have you experienced misogyny well obviously you know <laughs> but i mean that's the world we live in and I don't know how it's felt different for you in Mexico compared to the U.S. Have you have you ever driven other countries besides these two? Um, do you mind sharing about that? I haven't made it out of Mexico yet, um, but I have driven a lot around Mexico. Like last year, I went down to San Luis Potosi and to Guadalajara, and then um, all the way to the beaches over on the west coast. Oh right. Yeah, um, and there haven't. I haven't had any experiences in Mexico, but I have kind of a formula for avoiding bad experiences, which is one, there's an app called iOverlander. That is what I use to find where to sleep. Um, And generally people will review the spots they've stayed. So often if there's some kind of weird or creepy person hanging around one of those campsites, it will Mm -hmm. be written on that app. That's great. Yeah. So it's like Airbnb, couch surfing. Yeah, except you don't have to rely on anyone else. It's just free natural camping. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like all the spots that I used last year were on the beach. So I was just all alone camping on beaches when, you know, COVID was hitting the fan. Rough life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was just all by myself on the beach. It's cool. (laughs) That's great. So in Mexico, you haven't had any issues. In the States, too, you've always felt safe. and I've never... I haven't always felt safe um occasionally i get a little anxious um, but i have a dog and i had a mom who equipped me pretty well for anything that could happen as far as being assaulted my mom was a military police and she's very tough lady um and it's in my house it's she's always provided us with um (laughs) the tools we need to get out of situations um for instance she's a Strong proponent of the throat punch. Oh, yeah. And kick him in the shins. <laughs> Good for you, Mom. <laughs> yeah. And I myself have taken training in um, mixed martial arts and Muay Thai. Great. And I have, um, I wouldn't say an armory in my camper, but I have um, either pepper spray or a large knife in every corner of my house. <laughs> yeah, your house, <laughs> yeah. your camper. I love it when people say, like, my house. <laughs> And it is your house. It Do you have a kitchen house. in there? I have a kitchen. I have a stove with an oven. An oven? And I have a refrigerator. What? <laughs> I have solar and a fan. Like, it's actually cool on a hot day like today. That's true. It is a camper. I've seen it. Yeah. So. It's like a real house to me yeah. anyway. It's the closest I'm probably ever going to get. <laughs> when you're living in the States, though, and you're camping somewhere, and you just want to run to, I don't know, the 7-Eleven or something, I say OXO here, you know, you just want to run over there. It's not easy to just pack up your house and drive down the road, is it? 
It depends. Um, I have it can be in a different mode. Say when I'm in transit, it's usually just all it takes is to throw my cast iron in my oven and go. Yeah. Um, or like there's a counter I have to clear off or two counters, and right. that's all I have to do to go. And if I'm already like driving from place to place, and you know how I just stay somewhere a long time, then it's usually pretty close to ready at a moment's notice. That's true. What has been your, this is going to be maybe a hard question. Can you think of what has been your favorite moment camping? Can you think of something that just really sticks out as like, this is what I was meant to do? (laughs) I feel like that happens a lot. Maybe uh, I can think of one, I think it was last year or the year before in Potrero. It was at El Sendero. I was just hang. I was living in my Honda Element that I lived in for five years. Um, okay. Yeah. So I was living in my Honda Element, and my friends had just come over, and they were doing coffee on my tailgate while I was in bed. I wasn't like feeling great. They just all came, and they were just chilling with me, and it just felt really nice because it felt like part of my crew, and people cared about me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's generally where the moments come from is just the people. Like I'll be somewhere beautiful by myself often. Like camping on the beach was really amazing I was the only one there and it's just beauty for miles and not another person but having people like a a nice crew to hang out with that's really what makes the road life worth it do you find the same people wherever you go I've run into people that I've met years ago people seem to know me a lot because I get around um but yeah there's my uh, Potrero crew Generally, similar people come here every year. Right. And I also spend a lot of time in tent sleep, and so many people that were in tent sleep this year are in Potrero or are coming to Potrero this year. That's really neat. Yeah. Where do you live in tent sleep? I uh, work at the Rock Ranch. It's the campground there. Mm-hmm. And I also work at the brewery, tent sleep brewery. Um, it's pretty much the greatest brewery, I think, in all the land. Okay, great. <laughs> Just a little plug for that. So I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes for you. <laughs> What's the best beer? I like the Amber. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to recommend the place, tell us what to try there. I'm big on the Amber. So I don't actually drink, Jan. I don't drink like at all. I think Lyme disease kind of make me have a bad reaction to it. Uh-huh. Um, but I drink when I'm intensely. I'll drink my Amber like every now and then as my shift beer. Yeah. Not that much, but that's like the only beer I drink every year. So is that kind of a gathering place for uh, climbers or is it a the brewery? Is it just a, you know, tourist place or? It's both. A, cli- a lot of climbers frequent the brewery there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ten Sleep is a summer place and it's a easily accessible summer place, especially this past summer uh, since we couldn't go to Canada. Right. Uh, like a lot of people, every them that would have normally gone to Squamish mm-hmm. wound up in Ten Sleep this year or yeah. last year rather. Yeah, that's right. COVID, <laughs> whatever year it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened to you during COVID? Where were you? I was, um, so there. it started when I was on the beach. And I had... Here in Mexico. Yes. And I was working my way up the coast because I couldn't come back to Petrail, which was my original plan. And I ha- was injured. I broke my toes. <laughs> oh, right. Two of them, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't rock climb and I had just decided to go to learn to surf. And I did that for a while. And then things started happening as far as shutdowns. Um, and I was working my way up the coast and I just found a beach and I was thinking I would just self-isolate there for however long I could. Um, but then they came and they shut down the beach. Oh. It was just me at the beach. I was the only one. <laughs> and they said, go. <laughs> yeah. But I, fortunately, my Spanish was good enough to be like, hey, can I just like sleep somewhere? Because it was late and I don't, I, as a rule, don't travel at night. 
So uh, they let me just sleep outside the barricade that they bulldozed to close off the beach. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, that was nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it was nice. So I got to enjoy the beach one more night, and then I uh, headed north, found a few more places to camp. I think at Walmart, uh, at Mazatlan, and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. Walmart's the only place that I would say I felt unsafe. I mean, not entirely, but any weird stuff has always happened there, if I'm camping there or at... Um, like a pull-off on the highway, which those are my go-tos when I'm traveling long distance because I'm so bad at driving long distance, especially since I drive such a large camper that I can drive like five hours max, and then I'm like fall asleep on the wheel. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll just like hop Walmarts or or rest areas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've heard rest areas are pretty sketchy. Yeah, they can be. Um, But yeah, I haven't had any major occurrences, but my dog goes off in the middle of the night at those, and that makes me think someone's near our camper. Yeah. And that she probably, she sounds scarier than she is, so... That's perfect, though. Yeah, so would, she's if alarm. you were, you know, giving writing a book or writing a blog post for people that are thinking about this, would you recommend a, an animal for them to take a dog with them? And if that's what they want in their life, I I'm a full firm believer in dogs being the best creatures alive. So yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so I obviously say yes. If you're a dog person, get a dog. Mm-hmm. But as far as safety goes, she definitely keeps you. Oh, yeah. She will at least sound the alarm. I mean, I she actually, I was training mixed martial arts with my friend Kevin once, and um, she, I forgot to leash her up, and she did attack him. Oh. Yeah. She <laughs> thought he was hurting you. Oh. Yeah. Good girl. But we got her before she actually, la- she was like, she, you know, she's such a sweet dog. She didn't know what to do. She, like, knew she was um, going for him, but she, like, was tentatively biting him, like... <laughs> Like she didn't know how or what to do. And he knew her, right? <laughs> yeah, he knew her. And we like stopped fighting immediately so we could deal with her. So Good. That's really funny. It's not funny, but it shows, you know, yeah, at least she, her it, it heart was, her was right. Yeah, it was her test and it made me feel a lot better. It's like, now I know she'll definitely go for it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, but just the bark is scary enough yeah, for somebody that doesn't know her. Bark. That's really cool. When you were moving out of your house or apartment or whatever you're renting into to go out west or the first time or or to live in your car how did you decide what was important and what wasn't to bring did you put everything in storage and think like oh i'll be back no i didn't okay so there was a time i got back from traveling the first time the first time i put zero thought into anything i just like filled a backpack with some clothes i left a bunch of stuff at my mom's house since i still had access to that um, and then I came back after the AT and she's like, I'm going to sell the house, which she didn't sell the house for like three years, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I threw out all my stuff. <laughs> I just brought my clothes and my climbing gear. That's all. Yeah. And my laptop, I think I had that and that's about it. I didn't have much that I wanted to keep. Um, maybe a couple books. I didn't have a Kindle back then. So yeah, I just had a few clothes and climbing gear. How'd you feel getting rid of everything? Was it freeing for you? No, I was sad. Really? <laughs> yeah, I like my stuff. I mean, <laughs> I liked having variety. But yeah, no, it is freeing now. Now, mm-hmm. whenever I throw out anything, I'm like, yes, one less item. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in your camper, you have plenty of room for for one person. It's fine. Oh yeah, it could even fit two. I've got I've got it ready. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody out there? <laughs> any, any single man? <laughs> you want to go live in a camper? <laughs> 
<laughs> one of the complaints I hear from, not complaints, but one of the negatives I hear from a lot of people that live like you do is just how hard it is to have a long-term relationship, anything beyond like two or three months. And, yeah. and also because the people you come in contact with are people that you're you're, you both decide to go to that place for mm-hmm. a while, but then you both have a plan. Yeah. And so to change your whole plan for somebody. You'd have to really like that person. Like it narrows down who I would be able to be with. It's like it would have to be someone psyched on sport climbing a lot, although I do like trad once a month like or like one month per year. Yeah. I like to go to the creek for like a month, <laughs> but that's all. I, I'm mostly psyched on sport climbing, so it would have to be someone with similar goals, mm-hmm. like wants to climb hard sport. That's... <laughs> But, you know, I feel like I could be flexible um, to some degree, I, especially now. I, I've done enough climbing. Like, I'm happy to climb wherever. I mean, I'm willing to change my plan a little bit. Maybe right. not a whole lot, but I feel like even then, if you met someone, spent a few months with them, and they had a different plan, like, they could go somewhere else. I don't care if it's a part-time relationship. Like, spend, like, two seasons a year with them or something like that. Right. I'm open to a lot of things, I think. <laughs> How do you stay in touch with people? Um, I I do occasionally have FaceTimes with my friends. I kind of keep up with Facebook and Instagram, but for me, I just kind of wait for someone to come back into my life because I really know a lot of people at this point. Yeah. And I'm meeting new people every day, pretty much. So... I, I find it pretty overwhelming to actually keep in contact with everyone, even if I think they're the coolest, which I do. You're in co- more in contact with who's there with you right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm more in the moment. Um, I have a best friend. Her name is Genevieve Walker. I keep in pretty yes. good touch with her. <laughs> you know Genevieve? Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> She'll be here soon. Right. She came last year with a... She moves now. They're what are they um, called? Space under their space feet. Space below your feet. Yeah. Space below your feet. Yeah. Women. Well, it was originally a women's. Uh, I think it still is, right? I don't know. But she'll I be here so in too. like two weeks. Oh, cool. That's, yeah. that's great. Hi, Genevieve. Hope you're listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. I bet you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really cool. I didn't know she was your best friend or is your best friend. <laughs> and where does she live? Um, nowhere. She's a nomad now. Oh, that's right. She's Isn't... been kind of based out of Denver in recent years. We actually, I met her when I was sick with Lyme disease. In the, I meet all my friends in parking lots. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so I was kind of just being sick in the Rumney parking lot in New Hampshire. Okay. Um, and she was living indoors at the time. And sooner, like, I feel like not long after that, she was living in her Pontiac, what was it, Sunfire or something. <laughs> terribly tiny coop <laughs> it was funny because it had like a glass hatchback right uh-huh. and, it, and she'd sleep in it so you'd look at there it was just this curled up girl <laughs> like you see through the class <laughs> like when cats curl up on the, win- the, back, the back of the car you know above the trunk in the window right yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah that's that's really cool so you guys keep up with FaceTime or something. Yeah, and we manage, she's she's one of the few people that I see like every few months. That's good. Yeah, we somehow managed to to keep running into each other. We we were just at the Red River Gorge this past fall. She was in tent sleep over the summer. Like, Mm -hmm. see her a lot more than I see other people, I think. When is the last time that you were in Massachusetts? I visited, I flew from here to go visit for Christmas last year. That's right, okay. Yeah. 
Do you have nieces, nephews? I have a nephew, and he's in Iowa. His name is Brady. I don't know how old he is. I'm a terrible auntie. I think five. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't know, you know, if he lived back in Massachusetts, too. (laughs) No, no. Him and my brother live in Iowa. Okay. And do you try to go every year to see your mom or? I do what I got to do and I hopefully see my mom. Um, She was going to come visit me this past May, but she couldn't because of COVID. Um, She's going to fly out for the first time. She was going to come visit me, but it (laughs) didn't happen. She's never visited me on the road. And I feel like that with both my parents is missing. Like they don't really know what my life is like. I think they're, most of their fear is that I'm living alone and not making any friends or like not having real friends because uh-huh. I'm always moving. But if they came and saw it, they'd realize how close our friendships are on the road because first, we're the only people we have. Right. And second, we literally spend every waking moment together. <laughs> like we'll be cooking meals together. Sure. Like I, the friends I have now, I'm just spending 24-7 with them. So our friendships grow strong quickly because they have to. Right. Has there ever been a place where you haven't wanted to leave? Oh. <laughs> so fortunately, the weather always kicks me out. That's true. <laughs> but Ten Sleep is a hard place to leave every year. Um, especially because even this past um, year, leaving Ten Sleep, the weather hadn't gotten unbearably cold yet. But I had to leave for... I don't know why I had to leave. Probably because I... It was more that if I didn't leave, I wouldn't get quality time at the Red. Because mm-hmm. if I go somewhere, I want to be there long enough to get really strong and send my climbs. Um, and I think I just was like, okay, I got to leave now to get two months in at the Red. <laughs> but I didn't really want to leave because the temps were perfect and there's still people to climb with. <laughs> right. That makes sense. And then here it gets too hot. Yeah, it gets too hot and it empties out here. Like, then you don't really have any climbing partners. So it's That's like, might true. as well leave. <laughs> right. For the people that have never been here, they we pretty much have a season from October to about March. And even March is too hot. Well, today's February fourth and we're at like 95 degrees today which is really rare for february but it can make it difficult to climb you don't climb when it's really hot because the rock is hot (laughs) yeah and you just sweat yourself off of it yeah and really really cold too it's hard when you're my age i'm older i'm a grandmother proudly a grandmother what do you think you'll still be living in your camper I think that I'll have multiple campers. That's a great idea. <laughs> or maybe I'll have um, a house in one spot. I know that I'm never going to be able to commit to one location. So I'm going to need at least two like places. Say maybe a house in Mexico and a house in Ten Sleep, Wyoming or something like that. Mm-hmm. No idea. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And what about when it's really rainy for a long period of time? How does that affect you? I I feel like it just doesn't happen to me. Um, yeah, because I pick the seasons. Like, I think I might just leave a place if it's rainy. The only place that that would be kind of a risk for me is the Red River Gorge. And you can kind of climb in the rain there. So that's that's enough to keep me. I mean... How long do you go there for? Um, I, I was recently there for two and a half months or so. Okay. I hadn't visited there for several years, though. I think my last time there was 2017 or so. Mm -hmm. And it's because there's so many places to go. And I had been in the West 
I think it was 2017 that I went out west after being in the red. Um, and I just didn't come back until this past fall because I had so many other places to go because there's also Utah and Colorado and I just, there's limitless. <laughs> I love that you don't have a like really set in stone plan. Yeah, I, I pretty much don't except for my commitment to 10 sleep, mm-hmm. um, which I don't even know. I, I think that's happening this year. Yeah, I'm planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just work wherever you are. Yeah. Um, right now, the job I have, I don't know how much longer I'll do it because um, it stresses me out. I make phone calls, and I, I'm not that person. I do it, but I, I don't think I can. I don't think it's sustainable. But my other, I have another job coming up um, that I might enjoy more, and it's more flexible. More flexible than working whenever you want for <laughs> 10 mean, hours a week? <laughs> well, my current one, I actually have to keep it to weekdays, and uh-huh. I have to do it during the day. Okay. Yeah, but it's only 10 hours a week. I know. <laughs> so I just have to pick like two or three work days. <laughs> <laughs> so the other one you can do two in the morning if yes, you feel like it. That's, yeah, that's the one I want. <laughs> Not a rainy day, gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get to call it by the temps. And I can do that with the, this job too. So I don't, have to, I don't have to pick. Like if it's going to rain, then I'm obviously going to work that day. Or if it's going to be 95 degrees, I'm going to work today. <laughs> yeah, and at 10 Sleep, when you work at the brewery and the campground... Is the campground in, in exchange for staying there? For staying there, and they pay me, and I also get to do laundry in the house, which is super, super sweet, I think. Yeah. What do you do laundry here in Mexico? Um, I've been having Sendero do it. Okay. Yeah. I If I could drive my truck around, I would probably drop it off at the lavatory or something, but it's just easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's a question people have about for people living in their cars and yeah. campers is, where do you go to the bathroom? Mm-hmm. Where do you wash your clothes? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, where do you take a shower? Which I know here, you, when you're at a campground, that's what you do. What about when you're out? Um, yeah, I go a lot of time without showering. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, fortunately for me, since I've been traveling so long, I know people everywhere. Um, and it's rare that I end up at a place where I don't know someone. Mm-hmm. I generally have someone who like will invite me to their house and I'll take a shower and do my laundry. Right. <laughs> or have a driveway to sleep in. Um, most recently I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I don't know anyone that actually lives there. Or apparently I did. I just didn't know I knew him. <laughs> yeah. Like, Roy, do you know Roy? He was here. A couple, apparently he lives there. Hey, Roy. <laughs> Chris lives there too, right? Oh, uh, yeah, but I just met him here. Oh, okay. Yeah, so now I have Chris. But Chris lives, like, on a on a hill. He has oh, a that's property. right. He lives, he lives on lives land. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so I could definitely go camp there, which is way better than the Walmart parking lot that I was sleeping yeah. in to get cell service. <laughs> Okay. Well, the founders of the Buo live in Chattanooga, too. Oh, yeah. So I'll hook you up with them. Okay, cool. <laughs> I do like Chattanooga. I'd like to spend more time there. Yeah, and um, Honey and Caleb, the, some of our... Oh, wow, they no are way. in Birmingham, which is two hours away, but they know a lot of people oh, in Chattanooga. Cool. We'll make sure you got, you got that hooked up there. <laughs> yeah, Genevieve's in Chattanooga right now, too. All but, right. But they're just renting a place for a couple months. I know it's really nice to have a place like that, you know, a driveway to pull into, mm. a place to take a hot shower or a cold shower, just a shower... Long Any shower. kind of cleanliness would be cool. Yeah, wash your clothes. Um, you have a meal. You have a place to prepare a hot meal, but not everybody does. Some yeah, people right. live in a car. They just maybe have a hot plate, maybe not, you know. What would you say to a 20-year-old young woman 
that is dreaming of your kind of lifestyle, what kind of tips would you give them? Save your money. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, and don't be too afraid. It's, it's actually much easier than you think it is. Yeah, what would be the first hurdle? Fear? Yeah, you had to get over the fear and the the breaking away from normalcy. It's just it's just really hard to do. It's a big jump, but it's the best jump I've ever made. Yeah, what kind of sacrifices do you think? You know, you said that you have sacrificed a lot to live this kind of lifestyle. In some ways, I think you would, you know, it just depends on where what angle we're looking at it from because then you have this freedom of living where other, you know, like in some ways it would be a huge sacrifice for you to go back to that lifestyle too. I could never, can't go back. <laughs> yeah. So what would you say were some of the sacrifices that at first were really hard? I, I doubt they're that hard now. Having my daily shower, but who knew you don't really need to shower every day. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> What's the longest you've gone without a shower besides on the AT? <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, like... I'm actually what some of my dirtbag friends have been referring to me as a, a clean dirtbag. You like, are clean. I am pretty clean, but here is easy because there's showers everywhere. But um, when I've been in the creek was maybe one of the longer times, like two or three weeks without a proper shower. But I actually, for a long time, even when I lived in my Pontiac Grand Prix, I was carrying around one of those solar showers. Mm-hmm. And they heat up pretty well. And I would actually shower quite frequently. Um, you don't... You know, as long as you have access to water, you you really can be clean. So I don't know why so many dirtbags don't shower that much. <laughs> it's a mark of honor, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, I haven't showered in a month. <laughs> I haven't showered in two months. <laughs> Who wins? Nobody wins. <laughs> Y'all smell. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth of that. I mean, we've had to steam clean our couches every year. Gross. <laughs> end of every season or so <laughs> it's okay we love you guys we love you and no <laughs> even when i still smell like you after i've hugged you Take a shower <laughs> so that was a hard sacri- that was the first thing was yeah like daily like, showers but that happened on the at so like the right. at you get no showers for you know you might show up to a hostel every like two or three weeks and get a shower <sighs> But there's also, especially in Maine, when I was in Maine, it was like, oh, you can jump into a lake every day. But no matter how many, how much time you spend in water, your clothes, they're all synthetic and they just are always going to smell. Even after you wash them, like, right. they just stink. They stink horribly and they just can't be cleaned. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. But by the way, when you see Jenna, she's she's a clean dirtbag. For sure. I've, you've never smelled and you always cool. clean. Do you, do you own any makeup? I own makeup. Do you do you wear it ever? Occasionally, yeah. Like if I want to go on a date or something. <laughs> There's a cute guy at camp. <laughs> so I we know, know she shows up with a little <laughs> mascara. <laughs> Mostly. I'm lazy about it though. So you gave up daily showers yes <laughs> and i imagine living on a budget you know not but i always did that um because the way i paid off my student loans was by living dirt cheap i lived in a terrible apartment <laughs> it was nasty mm-hmm. <laughs> but i only paid 400 dollars a month <laughs> wow that's really great i think that's probably the hardest thing for people to imagine is everybody i know here is debt free and they live on 400 a month or a thousand a month 
depending, you know, on what kind of things they've decided to have for themselves, whether it's insurance, car insurance, health insurance, things like that. But um, they're debt free. And they had to sacrifice a lot to get to that point. There were not the majority are not privileged people that had someone pay you know all, everything off, and they have no. They had to work to get yeah where they are, and I think the concept for a lot of people looking at dirtbags is like, oh, they're just you know privileged slack. people, and uh-huh. it's in a way yes, I'm definitely privileged. I mean, just my upbringing alone, like I'm I am privileged. Yes, I also have done this myself like I didn't have anyone give me money no one paid off my college like I did it all by myself just you know I just started from a higher place than most people sure so it was easier for me there were less hurdles I didn't have to like work my way through high school you know I didn't have to worry about siblings at home or or I didn't have to support a family very young like Mm -hmm. I was only supporting myself yeah do you ever worry about the future and your finances and things um i do have a 401k good for you i know right <laughs> i am very adult <laughs> yes but you are i don't expect to be a rich person ever i think that i should worry more uh, about when i'm really old and can't really because i'm not like i'm saving but i'm not saving that much we'll just see how it goes i'm kind of winging it yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about that until we were talking. And I thought, I can't imagine Jenna, you know, like 70 years old living in her car yeah. but, or a camper. But there are people that do it. I imagine down the line, I'm probably going to want to change things. I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping it'll just work itself out. <laughs> yeah. Well, for now, it's working just yeah. great for you. I'd just rather have fun while I'm young and worry more when I'm old. Are you having fun? Yes. <laughs> Great. I can tell. I can tell you are. And um, well, we're about to wrap this up. So, Jenna, how can people find you if they want to talk to you or ask you any questions, maybe about where you've been or, you know, any kind of questions? Is it okay if people look you up? And It's okay if you look me up. Just allow time for me to respond because I am a slacker. Um, I'm best reached on Instagram at Jabalinski, J.A. Balinski. I'm sure, uh, Jan, you're going to put it on your... I'll put it in the yeah, show notes. Yeah, do that. Or on Facebook. Um, I'm not sure which will get you the faster response, honestly. Okay. <laughs> I ignore all friend requests that I don't know, so probably Instagram, because I'm more likely to respond on there. Okay. Great. Yeah, we're friends on Facebook. We've been friends yeah, on Facebook for a for long like time. four years. Yeah. I don't even have Facebook anymore. I just have <laughs> Messenger, but yeah. Okay, so if anybody is interested in hearing, you know, if you have just questions about living in a camper, living in tent sleep, living in Petrero, Jenna's been here four times, five times? This is my third year. Third year, okay. Official. And also, or living on the beach, you know, she can, she can at least point you to some places that can give you the resources that you need, like the app. I I Overlander. I Overlander. I would love the part of this, you know, reason of having this podcast is so people can hear different ways of life that people are living, you know, and it's not everybody listening is going to be a dirtbag climber. And so I want people to hear that people have great stories, you know, or great way of living and a great life, which I see you as a fulfilled, strong woman you're always happy 
yeah, you have anxiety and depression. Who doesn't these days? But, <laughs> um, but I didn't know about the Lyme disease. That's really interesting, and it shows you're an overcomer when survivor. You know, I'm excited. It's just it's an interesting fact to know about you, really, because it says a lot. You didn't just roll over and say, "Yeah, like it wasn't easy." No, like nothing's been easy to get here, but. I did think of another app that's useful for single ladies. <laughs> if you're looking for is it or climbing partners, <laughs> I was going to say Tinder. Yeah, it's Bumble or Tinder. I've made a lot of climbing partners and friends off there. No romantic love yet, but who would expect that? Tinder. <laughs> Just swipe and hope for the best. <laughs> Put in your Tinder profile, um, looking for a shower or a soft catch. <laughs> there you go. I was going to ask you if you had a dating profile, what would it say? <laughs> I believe it's, um, I think the full thing is uh, looking for the dirtbag rock climber of my dreams or a shower or a soft catch or acro yoga, any of the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works. <laughs> so what was the other app that you oh, were going to suggest? Oh, you were? Yeah, I used them both, yeah. But is that the app you were going to recommend? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no way. I, I thought you were kidding. <laughs> no way, dude. <laughs> that has made me so many good friends. <laughs> Did you meet anybody here in Mexico with that? Um, uh, yeah, I have a couple. Um, and I'm talking to some more, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That's interesting. The saga continues. We'll have um, part two next year. <laughs> and hear about Jenna's... Um, <laughs> exploits on the hopefully we won't have to talk about exploits and we'll just be like oh jenna found love and she's cool now <laughs> <laughs> well you're already cool but <laughs> i mean like happy and she's cool. like, extra cool no longer lonely <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, and i do think that that's an interesting point to bring out is the loneliness and i, I hear that too and i see that I th i'm thankful for social media i know you are too because when you're really lonely you can just connect go to messenger and write some send someone a message like hey guys i, I need a little bit of love today yeah yeah and just, uh just a <laughs> and i miss i don't know about you but with covid too i miss hugs yeah yeah i, I miss hugs but I, I hugged leo today <laughs> good for you yeah good for you yeah and you know i think i remember a couple years ago i think it was frank actually came in the shop and um, he just walked up and gave me a big hug and oh, and I was like, oh wow, what a nice hug! And he said, I haven't touched anybody. Oh, we in can days. have a hug, Jan. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna hug as soon as this is over. <laughs> I don't think I've hugged anyone in days. Oh gosh. <laughs> and I'm clean. I showered this morning. Oh cool! I showered this morning, but then I rode my biker <laughs> in nine to five degrees. That's okay. That's okay. I still take a hug. Anyway, well, um, I want to thank you so much, Jenna, for taking the time to be on this podcast, Tales from a Pool, which is not always about dirt bike climbing, <laughs> climber, but it turns climbers and people living in their cars, but it turns out most of the time it is because <laughs> that's most of the people that come through here. But it's really rare to find a woman in her 30s. I can at least say that, right? Yeah, you can say that. That's okay, because I don't know if people here will low think Low 30s, that. guys. Low 30s. <laughs> in her low 30s, not in her 20s, um, that is, you know, experiencing this life and has sacrificed a lot to get here. And um, you can hear her laughter and know that she is happy. So, Jenna, thanks for coming to the bull. Thanks for sharing uh, here on Tales from a Bull. <laughs> And this ends with mariachi music. And oh, cool. It's, 
I think it's cool. from a ghoul. Yeah, it's fitting. It should be Margaret. Yeah, I think so too. Well, thank you so much, and we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks, Jan. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Tales from El Bull. Hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Jan Millsaps. The theme song is El Jarabe Tapatio, performed by Maria Chipulito. Please take the time to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and to recommend us to friends and family. If you're interested in supporting our efforts in Mexico, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram as El Buo Cafe. Links in the show notes. I look forward to sharing more stories with you here at Tales from El Buo.